Support for this podcast comes from Boost Mobile. Step up with Boost Mobile's super reliable, super fast network so you can post up and watch the game almost anywhere. Switch today and get four lines for $25 per line per month with unlimited data and four free Samsung Galaxy A20 phones. Perfect for the whole family. Step up with Boost Mobile. Limited time offer while supplies last. New customers only. Requires port and activation from eligible carrier. One free device per line. Users using more than 35 gigabytes of data during a billing cycle may be deprioritized during times of network congestion. Offers and coverage not available everywhere. See BoostMobile.com or retailer for full details. What's going on, everybody? As always, your boy Jacob's here on the mic. It's episode 30 of the Bucks Leading Radio. The Bucks regular season is over. We're heading into the playoffs. But before we get into today's conversation, I want to say thank you to all the listeners whether you were a day one listener or you came on throughout the middle of the season. This is my first season doing this, and I really appreciate everybody's thoughts, everybody's critiques, interacting with me, with the podcast Twitter account, and everything else that you guys have done. You know, it's really fun doing this, but I wouldn't be able to do it without anybody listening on the other end. So thank you very much. Now getting into today's episode, the Sith Lord joins us again, and it was a great conversation. We took a look at the past, at what the season was. We kind of place it in our minds as, as to what we thought about it, whether it was the moves, whether it was, you know, firing kid. And then we take a look ahead at the Boston Celtics in the first and this playoff series that's in front of us. And we talk about potential offseason moves and our kind of thoughts, whether or not the playoffs will affect them at all. So again, I want to say thank you to all of you out there listening. And I won't hold you up from this conversation any longer. So let's hit the music. All right, on the phone for the end of the regular season podcast of the Bucks Leading Radio, a reoccurring guest, friend of the podcast, uh, Sith Lord. How are you doing, Sith? Good. This is the last one, yeah, I guess for the end of the season. I, I, I feel honored to be your last guest, so thank you very much. Hey, well, let's say maybe not the last episode. Let's hope they go far in the playoffs, and I can still keep talking about them. <laughs> well, let, well, let me have my moment. Last, last episode of the regular season, okay? Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Um, okay, cool. So today's episode, uh, for all you listening, uh, I, I want to focus a lot on the preview of what a great Bucks season uh, it was. Anytime we have a basketball team in Wisconsin, it's going to be a great season, no matter what you think. And then we'll kind of go ahead and preview the uh, playoffs upcoming, at the very least, the first series against the Celtics. So I guess, Sith, you and I can jump right in. Uh, We can talk about last night's blowout loss to the Philadelphia 76ers, which a lot of people have mixed feelings about. Some people like it because we did end up in that seventh seed and get get to play Boston in the playoffs. However, some people felt that it was a terrible effort, and the fact that they played every single starter, including Giannis, made it even worse. So what are your thoughts on last night's game and overall on the where we ended up in the seating? Uh, well, I, I think it was a really embarrassing loss. And I, I guess, yes, you know, I was pretty blown up about it uh, yesterday only because, and really today, because, uh, you know, it, to me, if, if they were throwing the game, I like a lot of people thought that they were, you know, purposely just throwing the game because they thought it was the best chance for them to, to play Boston. I don't know why you would start your starters then. I mean, unless you're just trying to shadow tank the game or something. But, you know, I, then after hearing, I, I just listened to that interview with Jabari Parker on that Bill Michaels huddle thing or whatever. And he said that, you know, after, at the, on the plane ride home, everybody was laughing and, you know, screwing around. So maybe, I, I don't know. Maybe they did throw it. Maybe they didn't. But either way, the game was on ESPN, and you got blown out by almost 40 points. So it's, it was embarrassing. And, you know, like, I always think, like, oh, people who, you know, think of Bucks fans must go, like, oh, my God, that's, like, that's your team, <laughs> you know? So it was embarrassing. Yeah, it's always hard. And I feel like that's always the reoccurring theme with the Bucks is that they always seem to play bad on nationally televised games. So it makes us as yeah. fan bases just, it, it, it's not even that we're angry at the team. We're just kind of embarrassed because we know how good this team can be. And then when you kind of show the world and they kind of put that shit out there, it's really hard. But right. I, I mean, I'm glad at least that I didn't hear that everybody was laughing on the plane. So me hearing that makes me feel a little bit better that we're heading into the playoffs with 
kind of that attitude at least. Um, I, I wonder if some people kind of know that this is kind of the last hurrah. We're all going to put the gang back together for one more run in the playoffs, whether that means Jabari's going to leave or, you know, you'll probably see Delhi hopefully shipped off, maybe even Henson this offseason. So with a lot of things up in the air this offseason, I loved your tweet where you kind of had uh, the gang gets back together. Um, not to not to kiss your ass a little bit. Shout out to always Exactly. Um, so that was uh, interesting. But, I mean, yeah, it was just embarrassing loss. And it was just terrible because they didn't even have Joel. They sat Redick. Like, it, it was just bad. Well, right. I mean, and, and that's the thing, too. I, there was someone that, that mentioned to me on Twitter. They're like, well, you know, actually, you know, it's like always, like, people just say the stupid shit sometimes. They're like, well, you know, without Embiid, you know, they're actually able to score a lot quickly. You know, they're more quickly. And they're, you know, they actually could put up more points without Joel Embiid. Like, I, like I don't, I don't, I don't care about that. Like you know, the team's not better without Joel Embiid on the floor. Like there's one guy I'm always constantly arguing with that that you know wants to convince everybody that the the Wizards are better without John Wall because they you know they they won you know 15 or they won 17 games you know without him. Like they're not better without John Wall. You know when your best player you know isn't out there, you you are forced to spread the ball around more because don't have that one guy you can just throw the ball to and say, hey, go get us a bucket. So, like, the Bucks would have got completely, they would have got slaughtered had Embiid been out there and not, not to Manny. And adding J.J. Redick on there, too. Like, if, they, if the Bucks were playing the 76ers in this playoff series, it would be a murder scene. Okay, it would, it would, they, there's no way that the Bucks would beat uh, the, the Philadelphia 76ers in a, in a seven-game series. No, no. no chance in hell. Mm-mm, no chance. I And I've been saying that kind of as we've been leading up into this playoffs. I mean, the Sixers scare me more than any other team in the playoffs because they just match up so well against this Bucks team because our defense is so poor. Their three-point shooting is really good, and we right. always struggle against teams with a good center. So, I mean, it would just go into a shootout, and we can never really win those games. At least they haven't proven that they can. So, I mean, that's why I'm glad that we're not playing them in the playoffs. I'm glad there was really no chance that that was going to happen. So... We can get to the playoff series, obviously, here in a minute. But let's take a look back. Let's take a look in the rearview mirror here. What was kind of a crazy roller coaster of a season? There was some really high highs and some really low lows as we went through this. And let's kind of recap it and what you think about it. You know, where does this kind of rank in the Buck seasons, um, you know, throughout the 50 years that the team has been here, or even the last 30 at the Bradley Center? You know, what are your thoughts on this season? I mean, I, I don't want to. I'm not going to be. I think it was like a complete loss. You know, like at the end of the day, they finished above 500. I, I mean, I didn't think they were going to win 50 games anyway. And you know, they they got you know pretty close to winning 50 wins, but you know, to 50 wins. But you know, it, it's just like you you can see like it's like all the struggles that they had under Jason Kidd. They've just never gone away. It's like we have, and I've said it a million times. Like people. You know, and I'm sure people are just getting sick of me, you know, seeing the same stuff on Twitter all the time. But it like, I it's like until it changes, I can't, you know, quit saying it. And and it's like we have some of the longest, most athletic players in all of the NBA, and like our defense is so terrible. Like we have, like it's like like our our players just don't understand the concept of switching, and it's like embarrassing at times. Like you can just tell, like they don't know who they're supposed to pick up on a pick and roll and like you know that's where coaching comes into play man and like like especially this like when like looking back at the season the biggest thing is this is that like nothing changed under Jason Kidd it was the same old same old so they fired him but then they kept Joe Prunty in there who is the guy behind the offense and Sean Sweeney the guy who that's behind the defense so nothing still changed you know so it's like there were Really, there's no. I, I mean, like, I'm glad they fired Jason Kidd. They just cut the head off the, you know, the snake as soon as possible. But like, nothing changed ultimately with with firing him. So it's really just if if they had a different coach, the season probably ends differently. I don't think you finish in this. If Jason Kidd isn't the coach, you finish higher than the seventh seed, no doubt about it. Yeah, I'd agree. I I will say this though. I mean, it didn't change anything this season. I think it's definitely it definitely propelled and really kind of put the changes that are going to come into fast gear with, you know, they're going to blow up this coaching staff after uh, this postseason's over with, no matter how far we go, I think. And 
you know, it, that, that firing was really kind of the, the track that started where you're like, okay, shit's kind of going down in Milwaukee. Things are going to go for a change. And But, I mean, even if you look at this roster and how it changed, I mean, a lot of us, even including me, were talking about how awesome it was that this team was coming back, you know, almost the same roster as the previous year. They had a lot of good chemistry. And then, not I don't want to say they blew up the team, but they made a lot of changes. You know, Bledsoe came in, Monroe left. You know, Monroe was a really big part of the, the team in the playoffs last year against Toronto. Uh, and, you know, we brought in a lot of different players. Sterling Brown got really big rotation, whether it was because of injury or not. Um, you know, this roster kind of changed a lot. What do you think about how that's been, where we ended up with kind of Tyler Zeller being now the backup center, you know, Bledsoe obviously starting at the point now, and kind of the other moves that we've made? Uh, well, you know, for, first of all, like like Eric Bledsoe, for example, like I don't, you know, I, I guess like the question would be, I'll kind of throw it back at you with him. Like, do you think, like, like let me ask you this, mm-hmm. how much how much different do you think the Bucks record would be if they hadn't traded for Eric Bledsoe and they kept Greg Monroe. Okay, I would ask. Like, you, go ahead. Well, I'm saying, like, are they are they two wins better because of Eric Bledsoe? Are they one win better? Would, would the record be the same? Because I'll tell you right now, it's not a it's not a five game swing. Like, no. if, if Greg Monroe's still on the team, you know, they they're going to finish at, like around 43, 44 wins. I mean, right? Yeah, I'd agree with you, but I think that my only argument to that would be is if. Everything happened the same, including injuries, and we didn't have Eric Bledsoe. This team would have lost a lot more because they wouldn't have had Bledsoe out there when Brogdon went down. Because I, I mean, I'm not saying Bledsoe picked up all yeah, this. Yeah, no, slack, that's, a, that's a fair point. Yeah, but I think you're right. I don't think it was that big of a swing, but I think having Bledsoe really set us up because you don't need a star center on this team. You kind of just need you need a good solid rebounder and kind of just a good rim defender, which. There's not an abundance of, but there's there's enough that, you know, you could pick one up cheap. I mean, you even look at Tyler Zeller and the impact that he's had and how cheap he is. So I think that you're right, not necessarily this season. It wasn't that big of a swing, but definitely a good move by Horst and the management. Um, oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not debating the fact, like, I still mm-hmm. have to trade 1,000 times out of 1,000. It's not, you know, that's, and that's not really what I was getting at. I'm just saying that, like, you know, all things considered, if in a vacuum, you know, you're, you, you take out Greg Monroe and you put in Eric Bledsoe. I don't, I don't, you know, what I'm trying to say is I don't think, you know, the win-loss record is really that different, you know? And I, mm-hmm. I think that having Eric Bledsoe out there, like, I really like Eric Bledsoe. Like, when I when I talk about Eric Bledsoe, I, I really critique his, uh, you know, for those who follow me on Twitter, you know, that I'm, I'm harsh on, on Eric Bledsoe, but I'm, a, I'm harsh on him as a point guard, not as a basketball player. I think he's an exceptional basketball player. I think defensively, he's super underrated for how good he is as a defender. But, like, I just don't think that, you know, out of, out of like, you know, people are talking about, well, you don't need all these scores on the floor at the same time. Well, I would tell you, he's the most expendable guy out of, you know, Giannis, uh, Middleton, and, and, and Jabari because, I don't, like, again, when you have three other guys that can all go for 20 at any given time, I don't, I, and I've said this before, too, like, I don't need my point guard taking shots from anybody else. You know, like, Giannis has fewer triple-doubles this season because of what, a lot of what he would be doing is going to Eric Bledsoe now. So, you know, I just think that Eric Bledsoe, you know, as good of a player as he is, he's just not that necessary to you winning. I really don't. I, I, you know, like, like I'm not saying he isn't a good player, and I, and he obviously did win some games for us, like because of him. And like you said before, Brock goes down. You know, he steps up. Obviously, he makes an impact. But I'm saying, in a vacuum, I don't think it ultimately made that big of a difference. No, and I 100. I agree with you too. Um, but let's let's continue on this conversation of your critiquing of Eric Bud. because I mean, this is something that a lot of people have been doing, especially when I think it really. Brought on, it came on a lot when Brandon Jennings got re-signed because you saw a different style of a point guard play. You know, right. Brandon has been has learned how to distribute a lot more since his time with the, since he left the Bucks, and that was a big topic. Do you like Eric Bledsoe being a score first point guard, and do you think that he fits with this roster going forward? No, and, and see, like the, the, again, the cool thing in the NBA now is to have a really good point guard that can score. But, you know, I, you know, and obviously, like, Ben Simmons is a freak of nature, and one of the things that makes him so special is that, you know, he's long and can move, you know. But, like, 
you know, he, he also is the type of player that he's looking for his best player, you know, before he takes a, before he takes a shot, you know, like I don't need, like when Eric Bledsoe brings the ball down the court, like the first thing he needs to look at is he needs to go, where's Giannis? Okay. I mean, let's, you know, let's say Giannis is on the, is on the weak side. He looks at, you know, he looks at Giannis and it's like, Oh, he's got one guy on him, you know, that's probably a good pass because we all know Giannis needs one step to the basket, Kyle can smash it basically on anybody, you know. So let's, let's say he's on the strong side. Well, then it's like he needs to look at Jabari. Like Jabari should be on the other side of the court, you know, if Jabari's in the game at the time, okay? And it's like, well, yeah, he's got one guy on him. And Jabari can take, you know, basically anybody in front of him. So it's like maybe that's the right decision. But let's say, that, you know, they're both covered, whatever. It's like then he needs to look at Chris Middleton, and and all of those things can ha- can happen in two seconds, you know. And if he feels there isn't an option open there, then I don't care if he goes and and, and goes to the rim or he takes his own shot. I, I don't mind that. But there's too many times you could tell with Eric Bledsoe that he, he he's bringing the ball up the court, and he's already decided in his mind that he's going to the rim or he's taking a shot. Like you can just see it. You you can see that he he's not going to look at. In anybody's direction, he's looking at the hoop and he's going to go there. He's getting hit. And I, I just think if you're a point, it's not your job as a point guard to score the basketball. It's your job as the point guard to get everybody else scoring the basketball first. Yes, 100% I agree with you. And that's some of the things that's bothered me since he's come in is uh, his play, this play that happens. And it happened before he even came because Chris Middleton did the same thing. But and still does, I think. It's like they, they bring up the ball, 20, 20 seconds left on the shot clock, and one of them will just dribble up and sh- shoot up a three. Or, you know, dribble, penetrate briefly, take a contested mid-ranger. And it's like, what are we doing here, guys? Let's move the ball around. Have you noticed that as well, or is that just kind of me? No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the problem that with Chris Middleton, too. And I think Chris Middleton, you know, like, and, and people... You know, again, that's another thing. They think, like, I'm just this Chris Middleton hater. Like, I'm not a Chris Middleton hater. I think, like, out of, all, out of pretty much everyone on the team besides Giannis, I think, like, Chris is probably the most important piece because he's the most versatile, you know, and he and, and he's our best shooter and we really don't have any, a lot of shooters. So just from that aspect, you have to have him. But, you know, Chris, in the same sense, like, there's times where Chris is at the top of the key and he's taking the role of the point guard. It's like Chris Middleton should never be initiating the offense. It's like if, if Chris Middleton is initiating the offense, then every, then other people are playing out of position, and that's not good. And, and they're not being used, uh, utilized at their full potential. And that's something else that I'm always getting into, like on Twitter. And that it's like, you know, Eric, or, or, or I'm sorry, Chris Middleton is best utilized, you know, when you can set a play for him, for example, which... They never do, mind you, where you could just run a play for him where he can run off a screen or somebody such a pick for him, you know. You can get him open and you can throw a sh- you can throw a pass to him to take a shot, you know, preferably a three pointer. Like that's utilizing him to his best ability. He's your best shooter. Your best shooter should take three point shots, but they don't use him enough like that. And and, and all these things that I'm talking about, like I I don't think like the, the team that we have, it can work. It can work. But the hierarchy of touches and where people are supposed to be and what they're supposed to be doing is all fucked up. And they have to get a coach to come in here who can see that. And when everybody starts playing in position, it will work. You know, you know. again, just quickly, I want to say, like, when Eric Bledsoe brings the ball down, the first look is Giannis. If it, you can't go to him, the next look is Jabari. He's, you know, if he's covered, then the next look is Chris Middleton. In that order, every fucking time no other way that that's how it has to work that's how the team is best set up to fulfill its destiny okay i like that a lot i think that makes complete sense from just anybody's like a general basketball knowledge i think that makes total sense and let's stay on chris middleton here for just a second because i want to i want to throw a couple questions here at you about his overall season i know it may seem like you kind of are a chris middleton hater because you critique him a lot but and that's there's nothing wrong with it. I think everybody, you know, anybody, any professional basketball player, anybody on a professional sports team is going to get critiqued, whether you are sure. a fan of him or not. But he has had probably one of the more up and down seasons out of any Bucks player on this team. And do you see a lot of the hate coming his way or critiquing from other people? And overall, maybe some people willing to part with him 
due to his kind of changing in roles as the season progressed. Because I think when you look at the start of the season, prior to having Eric Bledsoe, obviously Jabari was not back from his injury yet. You know, he was kind of that number two scorer because you didn't have a fully-fledged scorer in Malcolm Brogdon. I still don't think he's 100% on his offense yet. And he kind of had to bring up and kind of run that point guard spot. Uh, And overall, and then you get Bledsoe. So then Bledsoe kind of becomes the ball handler, the number two score behind Giannis, and then you get Jabari back. So do you think that, I under, I get the coaching, and I completely agree with you there, but do you also think that some of it might be just them not playing together a lot yet? Well, I mean, it, it goes back to exactly what I was saying before. You know, I think, and that's another thing, you know, to answer the question most adequately, to it, it's like J- Jason Kidd fucked the hierarchy up that to a to a point where I don't know if it's repairable and if it's not like like if Chris Middleton like if Chris Middleton can't accept the role that I'm trying to say he's best best utilized at then you need to get rid of him like if he doesn't want to just be a catch and shoot guy then then fuck you Chris Middleton like go somewhere else because you're not 1B you're not going to be 1B and like if if Chris Middleton is 1B then we are we're fucked, and you're never gonna. I don't mean to be cursed here, but I, you know, I'm getting I'm getting wound up there. <laughs> like you don't, you know, you don't need, you know, if like Chris Middleton is your second best player on your team, like it's it's not enough because he'll never be. He's not like the type of guy where you could just throw it to him and be like, Chris, you know, like whatever the situation here, whether it's dunk, turnaround, Jay, or three pointer, it's like I don't think you can beat your man to the basket enough, you know. Or it's like I, you're too cold from three point, you know, land this this year. That like I don't know if you're going to hit that three point shot. He's been pretty much automatic from from two, you know. I like like and again, he's he's a good player. He can do everything well, and like and that's what I like about him. He just needs to be dialed in. But like when he's when he's your you know your second best player or your second option is is really what I'm trying to say. Like then like what is what's Jabari doing? Because now it's like. You're not, you're like Jabari Parker can't just be standing there. Like Jabari Parker is best utilized, like touching the basketball and like moving people around and bodying people. Like one of the things that Parker does best is like he'll try and back people down to the basket. And, and you know, it's like he's obviously trying to score, but if he can't get there because he's getting double teamed, the first thing he does is he throws the ball out to the three point line because he realizes. If I'm getting double teamed, somebody is open. Where is that guy? You know, and like, it's just it's just fucked up. Like again, Jabari Parker can't do that if if Chris Middleton is touching the ball before him. Yeah, that's you know what I mean. Mm-hmm, totally, I completely agree with you there. And and how and how people and if anybody wants to like argue with me with me on that, like I just don't see how you don't see that. You know, like. I, I, I understand, like, the hate with Jabari Parker is it's like, oh, he doesn't play defense, and, you know, and, like, he's too up and down offensively right now. It's like, well, he's too up and down offensively right now because he's not a focal point of your of your offense. He's an afterthought of your offense, you know? Yes. So. He has been. I think it's he's slowly starting to become more of a focal point. I still wouldn't say it's anywhere near where it should be, obviously, as you can kind of see even in games. But I okay, let's just stay on Jabari then. You know we're on topic here, and let's talk about kind of his quite big question mark over his head on whether he's going to be with the team. I mean, I'm so curious to wonder if he's even going to start going into this playoff series. I think he should. But overall, you know what do, what do you think is going to happen this offseason? Do you think he stays with the Bucks? I know a lot of people have been commenting on some of the things that he said in interviews where he seems very standoffish, where he already seems like he's not going to be with the team this year based on some of the things he says. Do you think that maybe some of that is over reading it, like reading too much into what he's saying? And then, what do you think is going to happen as we head into this off season? Well, well, first of all, I want to say that it's ultimately not his. You know, it's not his decision. You know, if the Bucks go, you know, well, you know, some other team is going to offer max money and go, well, we don't want to lose them, or you know, we're going to give them max, you know, or, or however it works out, you know he's going to stay, you know, and that, like, he's going to have to deal with it. But, you know, again, if you, if you heard this interview with him on that, on that Sparky and Bill show tonight, like he, it's, they asked him, you know, like, do you think that it's still going to be you and Giannis to lead this, you know, franchise back to, you know, a championship? And he goes, I hope, you know, he goes, you know, that was always the thought, you know, the thought, he's like, you know, I knew coming here, 
Yankees like that a lot of, you know, a lot of people didn't, don't want to come to Milwaukee or didn't want to come to Milwaukee at that time. And he's like, and he was saying he wanted to change that, you know, and obviously the injuries, you know, derailed him on that journey. And, and, the, and I'm not, you know, I'm not oblivious to the fact that the Bucks had to move on. Like they can't just, they can't just sit there and go, oh, well, the guy's hurt. We'll just wait till he comes back. You know, no, they, they have to make moves. And they have to, you know, they have to put themselves in the best position to succeed. But, you know, it's like by not starting the guy this this whole time and, and you know, it's like and you're still, you know, just losing games you shouldn't lose. It's like, yeah, I also can see everything from his perspective. You know, like this, this franchise wants me here even. You know, they don't even value me enough to put me in the starting lineup yet, you know. It sounds like the offers that they gave them were nowhere near what was reported either. That was the other thing that I took from it. You know, the one offer was that the Bucks offered him three years and fifty-six million, which break or you know whatever it breaks down to eighteen million per year. He said that they did not offer him that, and he also said that he was not seeking a max contract. So those two things that were reported. So either he's lying or those reports were lying. I don't know. But it didn't sound like, you know, in the interview that, he, you know, that they offered him that sort of money and he's not, and he doesn't want max money. So I, I don't know. The answer to that is I don't know. But I will say this, because I know everybody thinks I'm the biggest Jabari Parker fan in the world, which I am. But that dude's got to play defense. You know, I don't think he's ever going to be a great defender. But you cannot, like Jabari Parker, you like you've got to grab your nuts, buddy, and when, uh, you know, like, you can't just give someone a clear path to the basket. Like, you have to at least try. Like, Jabari, you have to try to defend somebody once in a while. You know, you can't just stand there. And, it, like, when he does that, it just pisses me off to no, no end. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's the biggest quarrel I think that everybody has with Jabari Parker, and including me. It's his lack of defense. I mean, nobody's questioning his ability to score. Even when he's having a bit of an off night, he's still better than pretty much everybody on our bench. And you want that guy on the court even just for his presence, because he takes so much from the opposing defense on him, just as Giannis does. But I think that even if you gave any ounce of defense, I mean, like, play, like Harden is playing better defense than him right now, and that's incredibly hard to say, but it's true. And, you know, when you look at that, you really hope that, obviously, he's had, I think, how, how many, I don't even know how many full games he's probably had, like, a full season now, I think, if you include all of the games that he's played. So, he still is technically young, and he's still working through everything, but you're going to have, if and when, I, I can't imagine, I can't see a world where we don't re-sign him, no matter what people say, because this team has built their franchise going forward on Giannis and Jabari. That poster is still up on the Schlitz building downtown. There's, I can't imagine <laughs> yeah, there's a plan to take it down or cut him out of it. And so I think that you have to look at that and kind of say, you know, you you didn't put all your chips in on Jabari, but you kind of did at the same time. And if he if you let him go, he is going to tear this Bucks team apart whenever he comes back to Milwaukee, and you will not want that because as a fan base, that will just be a middle finger to the face of just like, yep, yeah, we let him go, and now look what he's doing to us. Oh right, and they just and they can, and again, him saying you know a lot, he knew a lot of people didn't want to come to Milwaukee. It's like you know at the same time the dude. Like basically told the Cleveland Cavaliers, look, don't draft me because I don't want to come here. I want, you know, like I like telling the walk, they want to come to you know. And uh, when we talked the first time, like I said, like I I can't believe, you know, like that the Bucks, like in my wildest imagination, again, that the Bucks would ever, you know, land a player like Giannis Adetokounmpo. Okay, like I cannot to this day, I can't believe it. But I also can't believe that they would have the wherewithal to like know that hey, maybe we need to take in this 2014 draft and get one of these top four players, and arguably at the time land with the best one of them. And again, when Jabari came back from the injury the first time, you know, it, he was like you know before he got hurt and after he came back the first time, it was clearly he was he's the best player out of those four players, and you know. And right now, you know, obviously because he, he hurt his knee again, you know, it's like a lot of people are shaky on him. And, and, and it's a real, you know, the injury deal with him is, is a real thing. But I think it's a, it's a more risky proposition because of the things you just said for the Bucks to not retain him. Like, you know, you, you have to take the risk as the as the Milwaukee, Wisconsin Bucks. okay? You have to take the risk of, of betting on this guy because 
and, and, you know, he said another thing in that interview. He goes, you know, it's, he goes, I, he goes, you know, with the injuries, he's like, for me, it's not a setback because he goes, I'm all, he goes, I could get hurt again. And he's like, I'm always going to work to come back and be the best player I am. And, you know, like that's the type of person he is. Like he wants to be the best. He wants to be the best. And like, you know, like he wanted to be here and he wants to be the best player. Like, you know, just pay the guy the money, man. And like, you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out, like you're going to sign and trade him anyway. If it doesn't work out after a year, then trade him. Like, what's the big deal if you trade him now or you trade him after a year, you know? Well, right. And I think so. that would be even the worst thing is if you, cause you did have the opportunity to trade him when he was hurt. And then if you were just to let him go and get nothing out of it, that would have been the most pointless two years of a of, of fan base's life of kind of really hoping for him to come back. And you're right, Jabari, even without him saying that, you could even see his determination to come back to play and, you know, presumably bring a championship to Milwaukee. And so, I mean, you, again, like I said, you don't see, I don't see a world where Milwaukee doesn't re-sign him no matter what. I think this this ownership has proved that they're willing to shell out some money if we have to go into the luxury tax, even for a bit, with our cap room. Um, but, you know, that was enough looking back. Let's take a look to the head to Sunday. I don't want to talk about who would you rather have played. I don't want to play that game anymore. There was enough polls, enough talking about it on Twitter leading into it. We're playing the Boston Celtics no matter what. And yep. it's going to be very tough no matter what people say, even with Kyrie out. Brad Stevens is easily one of the top two coaches, I would say, in the NBA right now with the roster that he has and how well they're playing. What are your kind of looking into these into the series? First of all, I want to know your prediction. Second of all, what are the things you're going to be looking for in this Bucks team to overcome this Brad Stevens coach Celtics team? Well, my prediction would be on paper, okay, Bucks mm-hmm. and six, okay, <laughs> of course, Bucks and six, okay, because then, and I really think you know, like I don't think the Bucks are good enough to beat them in five, and I think if it if it goes to seven, you know, it's back in their house and like you know, a game seven at you know on the road. It is typically not does not work in your favor. So I'll say Bucks and six. But you know, on paper, the Bucks have the better roster. Like they should, they should go out there. You know, you gotta want it. You know, it comes down to like wanting it, really. And and like if you're Giannis, it's like if and I heard this on the radio today too. It's like you know, it's like you would be saying if Aaron Rodgers by his you know third year as a starter in the league like hadn't won a playoff game or hadn't you know, only went to the playoffs once at that point. It's like, well, then you start questioning, like, how good a player really is. And I, I think it's time for, like, Giannis to, you know, to do it. Like, all the comparisons he gets to LeBron, like, oh, he could be the next best player in the NBA next to LeBron. Well, LeBron in his third year, of, or really in his fourth year of playing in the NBA, he took a, a team with less talent to the NBA Finals. You know, Giannis ain't doing that. He ain't LeBron, and he doesn't need to be LeBron, okay? But, you know... Brad Stevens is such a good coach. That's the X factor for that team. Like he'll figure out whatever inch they can get on the box. He, in my opinion, he is the best coach in the NBA because he, you know, and you could argue it's like him or Pop. But Pop's probably got more talent at this point. And like after they lost Kyrie and they didn't have Gordon Hayward this whole season, for them to finish in the, with the second seed, it's it's remarkable. Like if if Brad Stevens. If we could switch coaches for this series, it's a sweet box all day, <laughs> without question. Mm-hmm. 100%. I completely agree with you there. And I know I would love to just go back. I would love to go back to myself after that first game. Gordon Hayward goes down and tell myself, hey, yeah, they're going to finish second in the East this year. And I would have just laughed in my – I would have laughed in anybody's face that came up and told me that because – I mean, you look at that team, and like nobody really thought that Kyrie. I think that's what the big thing was: is nobody believed that Kyrie could kind of be the star, be the be the guy, and like lead a team like that. But with Brad Stevens behind him, I think really helped him, and kind of probably sh- showed him how to be a leader. And he's learning a lot over there. However, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Finish. I was just going to say that we're not playing Kyrie, so that's even more interesting because you're going to go up against two of the most. Um, well, I guess not talented rookies in the NBA because, you know, Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons have really shown that. But, you know, Jason Tatum is really good. Even Terry Rozier has scored well against us. And Greg Monroe and Al Horford down low, I think, is going to cause a big problem going into a seven-game series because of our very bad center position. I think that's going to be the key to this series is you need to grab rebounds and you need to protect the paint. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think that the biggest the biggest challenge for them is going to be Greg Monroe 
and Al Horford. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, the Milwaukee Bucks, again, have better players than they do. And, you know, no, no matter what, like, it, it, no matter what the scheme is on, for the Boston Celtics or whatever they figure out, it's like the Bucks have to, like, it's like trying in a game, like, you just, you have to look in the mirror sometimes and be like, I'm not going to be the ninth day. I'm Giannis and they don't have anyone on that court that's better than me. You know, like, you know, Jafari, Bledsoe, Middleton, they all have to, you know, they all have to go in there with the same mindset, like, it, today is my day, and I'm going out here, and I'm winning this game. And, it, and it's like if you don't come in with that fired up mentality like that, it, it's like you know it, it's not going to work out. And because they will figure that out, and they will exploit every single weakness that you have. And you know, it's like the, the only thing that we have on our side is that individual talent that they're lacking currently without their two best players. A hundred percent. Now let me throw this back to you here, because and I don't, I hate saying this, but. And it's only because Jason Kidman, it's so bad to say, but they are still quote-unquote young. You know, this team altogether hasn't really had a playoff experience. But, you know, you still have guys, obviously Giannis. Even Thon Maker had a good run in the playoffs. Budzo's been kind of in the playoffs before. You know, but do you attribute any of this and any possible losses that we get and maybe not even win the series to just that the inexperience of this team making a big run in the playoffs and then if you don't, then why? Then again, why would we lose? Is it just because of Brad Stevens and that he can really outcoach this team? Because you're right, we're way better than that team, top to bottom. Right. Yeah. And I, I and also I, I want to make it clear, like I, I don't think it's a lock that the Bucks win. I mean, like the Bucks have been so up and down all season, and again, I think like their their co- their coaching, you know, on both sides of the ball is is terrible it's not the worst in the league you know and it's a it's a real problem uh, but you know like the the boss and again that you know the boston celtics the, the boston you know like the, the milwaukee bucks wanted to play the boston celtics in the series but i'll guarantee you the boston celtics wanted to play the milwaukee bucks if they were going to play anyone as well you know like they probably look at us like oh god the team's so inept at you know figuring things out you know we can exploit that so it's not going to be a cakewalk. Like the games are going to be challenged challenges. You know, it's, it's going to be a battle. But I mean, again, like you just if Giannis is Giannis and Chris can be Chris and Eric can be Eric, and you get something from Jabari, it should be enough. I mean, like the Bucks last year should have been. You know, if, if Jabari Parker's still doing what he was doing before he got hurt, like I, I, there's no question in my mind they would have beat the Raptors. This team's worse than the Raptors, and you have Jabari Parker. This this team they're playing is worse than the than the Raptors were. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the mm-hmm. Raptors last year were a far better team than Boston is right now, so you should beat them. No, I agree with you. And the reason I brought up the inexperience is because I think that that's why we lost that series last year. That game at home, uh, the Saturday game at home, where they had 20 plus turnovers in that game, it just looked like. You know, their youth really caught up with them that game. Even Giannis had, I think, uh, he had a lot of turnovers that game. I couldn't even, I could not remember his stat. But, you know, I saw that happen. And that's why I'm kind of hoping to see some growth uh, in, in at an individual level. And then as a team, because no matter what, whoever your head coach is as a Bucks team, no matter whether it's Prunty Kid, whoever, as you've kind of already stated, it's a similar coaching style. You're a team that you need to come together now. You finally have a fully healthy roster. And you need to show why everybody is looking so highly upon this team and that the expectations are so high. Yes, this is the best record that we've had in a while, but still, like, there are high expectations for this team, and you need to show why. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that they, there is no more, you know, you can't have the excuse. I mean, I think that's why, again, you know, you know, going full circle is why, you know, Jason Kidd got fired. You know, you can't, like, they're not inexperienced anymore, like, this is Giannis's third trip to the playoffs. You know, this is this like core group of, of talents third trip to the playoffs. You know, I know Jabari hasn't. You know, this is his first time through, but I'm saying like they've been there. Like they they lost the two other times they went to the playoffs. Like it's time to win it. And like if again, if you can't, you know, like if you can't beat this team, like you can't beat any team in the playoffs. Then and you know, it's like then you, it's just like this isn't working. Like. There is no excuse for them not to, to win this, you know. Like, I, you know, and I and and and, and I, I can't tip my hat to Brad Stevens enough, and I, I think he's going to make it a challenge. But like, it, it, I mean, it's there for the taking, is it not? Uh, you know, 
Like, let's go. No, it 100% is. And I agree. Like, it, it's no doubt in my mind that this is the best matchup that you can ask for for this Bucks team to get over that hump of a first series win, gain that confidence, and then you actually head into the gauntlet with some of like the best teams in the East. I mean, no matter who we end up playing next, they deserve to be there, and they're going to give you everything that they got. And that's going to be the tough one. But let I want to get your takes on a couple things here. So a lot of people, or not a lot of people, I've just seen it on Twitter, have been calling for almost a rebuild of this team, maybe a blow-up of some of your core players, whether it's Middleton. I've even seen, for some reason, Brogdon being included in, like, get rid of him. Um, but... Does, first of all, does a playoff series win or any, however far we go in the playoffs or whether we lose the first round in the playoffs, do you think that that affects any possible or potential big moves being made in this offseason? No, because I think that, you know, once the, once they hire, like, Punchy's gone, it doesn't matter what happens. You know, like, they would have to, again, like, go to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, that's the only way he would come back or, or something like that. So like there, there's going to be a coaching change, and that's like that's the biggest thing that needs to happen. But like they, 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 I don't think they have to completely blow it up. Like I said, but but at the but at the same time, you know, for the right player, you know, and and I know that it, this is like you know it's it's delusions of grandeur, if you will, here. But like you know, if if Kawhi Leonard is available, and you know to get him, you have to send like a future pick and Middleton and Shabari for him for two years of Kawhi you pull the trigger on it, okay? Like, he's, like, the perfect fit next to Giannis, and he's better than those other two guys. So you pull the trigger. It's very unlikely, and I think the only way I would do a, a deal like that is if you know whatever you're getting back is the better thing in return. But, you know, it, it's it, it, we have damaged goods, and I don't think outside of the Bucks that a lot of teams value Chris as much as we do, even though I think, I think every team in the league thinks he's a very good player, don't get me wrong. But it's like you don't have a lot to trade. So, you know, the, the best thing moving forward would be getting a coach who understands how to, again, utilize every player to the best of their ability. And you need a center that, you know, and, and maybe Tyler Zeller can be that guy. I don't know. I, I don't think he can be because I just don't think he's really good enough. But you have to find a center that can run the floor and protect the basket. Like, again, what sucks is... It, you know, if Larry Sanders doesn't have a, you know, mental breakdown, it's like he's, he's like the perfect guy to play center for this team. So it's, it's just sad. But if they could find a guy like that, that is just a rim protector and can run the floor, that's all you need. That's all you need. Yes. No, that's and all I you need. You, you need a new coach with a new philosophy and like a center that can protect the basket. And he's good. 100%. And that's what I was actually going to push back to you a little bit because you know, I think a lot of Bucks fans kind of get stuck in the star power of any free agents that come out. Like the DeAndre Jordan like craze that happened a while in Milwaukee, and that was actually going on, you know, the first time you and I spoke. To me, that just seemed a little bit crazy because I think if you if you pro conned that trade, there wasn't a lot. The pros never outweighed the cons in that, whether it was money, whether it was attitude, whether it was his inability to really be impactful, if you know, at the free free throw line or even down low on an offensive perspective. But I think that what this team needs is really you need to round out that bench. You need that second unit to come out and really hold the lead or, you know, kind of stay with an opposing team. And we don't have that right now. Right now, you're really leaning on those starters in a Tom Thibodeau style where they need to play 42 minutes a game to pull out a win against the Phoenix Suns or the Orlando Magic, you know. Yep. And that's what's scary to me because you can't have that. We're lucky Giannis is so young because his body is able to handle that type of abuse. Um, right. Well, well, but, I think, you know, because here, here's the other thing, though, too. If they had, you know, with this current coaching staff, this Jason Kidd, Joe Prunty coach, coaching staff that they have, even if they had that center, the philosophies that they put in place on offense and defense aren't, aren't the right way to go about it. So they still want to be good. Like, it would still be the same bullshit. You know, it would still be the same bullshit defense, for example, that, you know, they're utilizing. And, it, you know, you're not any better even if you had those pieces that you that you needed, if you know what I'm saying. Yep. You know, like, even if you had the right center, like, you're still, you still play defense like trash and you're going to get your ass worked. But, you know, if you have the right coach that understands those things, you know, and you get that center, like, it's all going to work out like it, like, Blowing it up, uh, for example, it, you know, is like blowing. What I'm trying to say is like blowing it up is is 
probably the worst way to go than it is to just hold on what you have and implement new systems. Yes, 100%. And even it's keep what you have and then just maybe, you know, upgrade some of the out, outlying players, you know, whether it's you need like a Sean Livingston almost. And I just use that as an example because he provides such a great come off the bench guy right. for the Golden State Warriors who can put well, up a decent mount and plays good defense. Yeah, well, well that, that's another thing. I think like a, co- a coach would come in here and figure out like like either, you know, Middleton or, you know, Adam Middleton, Jabari, and Eric Bledsoe, like which one of those guys should be coming off the bench? Like obviously Giannis is the only guy that should be, you know, like there's no question ever he should start to play the most minutes, obviously, of course. But the, the right coach has to come in and figure out between those other three guys, like which guy should come off the bench. It doesn't make sense to have all four of your you know, score your horses, you know, play at the same time because you don't need four guys that score the basket. Like, someone's got to come off the bench and add that to that bench unit. And I don't think it's Jabari, and I don't think, and, you know, I'm not just saying that because I like Jabari. Like, I again, I don't think having Jabari be an afterthought of your, of your offense is utilizing him the best. I think what Eric Bledsoe does in the starting unit he could just as easily do off the bench. You know what I mean? Where I think Chris Middleton's game is best. Like Chris Middleton's best strength is, is playing next to Giannis, where Giannis can find him. But it's also playing next to Jabari, where, again, where I talked about Jabari going to the basket, where he can find Chris and kick the ball to him. You know, Bledsoe's not going to body anybody, you know, with his back to the basket. He could dunk on somebody to the basket, but when he's going to do that, he's not looking to pass the ball once he's made the decision, like, I'm going to the rack. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, what Eric Bledsoe does works in the starting unit and it works in the second unit too. So if it were me, I would have Malcolm Bledsoe, or I'm sorry, Malcolm Bledsoe, <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon start because I think he's looking to pass first and I would have Bledsoe come off the bench. In a, in a perfect world, that's how I would, that's how the fifth Lord would do it, okay? Love it. So that's his starting roster on 2K if anybody ever finds him online. Um <laughs> No, but I think you're right. I think that you can make this team work with its pieces that you have. I mean, like the high, the high level playing players that you have, they can play together. You just need to figure out a way. And you're right. It starts from the coaching staff, well, the head coach and assistants that need to come together. There needs to be a good system in place, and the players need to buy into it. That's the hardest part out of all of it. Like you would really need to sell coming off the bench to Eric Bledsoe because he's been a starter all of his career. But if you had the right person, he could make that happen. Um, or she, well, I, I suppose. You know, I haven't really talked about any of the other players on the team, like Henson Snell and, 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 you know, and, and Sterling Brown and all that, because, like, at the end of the day, you know, like, in, in my opinion, all of those guys are so replaceable. It doesn't matter. Like, everybody, like, the new toy is Sterling Brown, and everybody talks about how, how great they think Sterling Brown is or he could be if he got the minutes. Like, if Sterling Brown played more minutes, he'd still be average as fuck. You know what I mean? Like, Sterling Brown is Sterling Brown is Sterling Brown. Like, you know... Like, he, he's a decent player. I'm not saying, he's, like, me saying that, I'm not saying he sucks. Like, he has nights where he looks like a pretty good player, but he's never going to be anything more than that. You know, he doesn't possess, like, excellent speed. He doesn't put, possess, like, a, a, a rim game. You know, he's not that great of a, you know, he's not that consistent of a shooter. He's just decent at all of those things, which there is a spot for you on an NBA roster being that guy, but there's not a spot for you to get 25 minutes a night being that guy, you know, so it's like all those guys where, if you know, if there's any value on a player like Sterling Brown, fucking trade him, okay, get something back for that guy in return, you, you know, like, as as soon as you can, because he's never going to be anything more than that, and that, like, Sterling Brown is the perfect example of, like, the, the type of mistake the Bucks always make, because they made it with Tony Snell, too, it's like Tony Snell had a career year, so they're like, oh, this is, you know, Tony Snell finally got a chance to start, and now look how good he is. It's like, well, now look at how good he is. He reverted back to the player he was before, and that's when he never fucking started with the Bulls. You know what I mean? Because, like, he's not that great of a player. You know, he's a bench player as a bench player as a bench player. And, and you know, it's like, you know, Sterling Brown, folks, you know, he's, he's a, you know, again, I'm not saying he's trash, but he's, he's just a guy. He's, at the end of the day, he's just a guy. Right. He's not, he's not, a, part, he's not a part of the core four. He doesn't fucking matter. I love it. And I think that's exactly what, you know, I think both you and I are saying is that it is just rounding out those bench players and the supporting actors on this team to really gel well one with the big four, if you will, that we have right now and to provide a good second unit to keep this team in games. But as we round out the end of this podcast here, Sith, 
any last topics you want to talk about or any last things that maybe didn't get covered in the first, you know, whole episode? No, I, I really can't think of anything. I think, we, I think we touched on everything. I just hope that, you know, that, that this team, I'll say this, I guess, to finish it here. I just, again, I hope that this team, like, realizes it's like, you guys, you know, like, a lot of things didn't go your way this year. You know, you probably weren't as good as you thought you were, but, and, and you know, it's like out of all those things that happened, it's like you got a little golden nugget in front of you because, like, you're playing the, the, the deer that's shot right now, if you will. You know, like this, this deer's dying in the forest, and all you got to do is put that final bullet in him. And, it, it, you know, so it's like they got to come out and realize that with Boston, like, put your, put your foot on their throat and suffocate them. Just end it, you know, and, and use that momentum to go into the second round and make some noise. You know, I just... I just want them for once in my damn life, Jakubs. I like, you know, to, to make some noise, man. It's like I thought in that fear of the deer year they'd finally do it, you know, since the since the two thousand one team and they just haven't been able to do it and you know, it's like I never thought we'd have a player like Giannis and I'll tell you by year five of having Giannis, I would have thought by now he'd have made it to the second round. So like for me, man, it's like, you know, it's either gonna be like some of these nightmares finally go away or they just create a whole new set of nightmares. Like there's a lot of like there's a lot of shit riding on them making it to the second round. So we'll we'll see what happens, man. Crazy times. It is, and I really don't know if I can say anything else to top that because I think you just expressed pretty much every other Bucks fan's feelings. Um, <laughs> so I think that's a perfect way to end the episode. Um, you can find him at SithLordAR on Twitter. I'm at Jakubitz on Twitter. The podcast is at Bucks underscore radio. Give us all a follow, tweet at us, engage. You know, I know Sith loves talking with people on Twitter. I do too. <laughs> And the podcast appreciates any follows and any listens you guys. Bucks and six, baby. Let's go. Awesome. That was a great conversation with Sith. I always love having him on here. It's always electric when he comes on, and it's always a great conversation. So, again, thank you for listening. However, this will not be the last podcast. I will keep this going throughout the offseason into next season, and I hope to continue it for as long as I possibly can. But they will come less frequently, obviously, as there's less to talk about during the offseason. But we'll make sure that we get one out at least once a month. Now, thank you again for listening. Let's go, Bucks. Bucks and six, baby. Kick the fucking Celtics' ass. Let's go. Cheers.